Welcome to the final episode in the Authentic Leadership series, a five-part podcast from the Reuters Institute. My name is Rama Sharma. This podcast series is inspired by a quest I started some years ago whilst on a fellowship. I was a senior editor at the BBC at the time. I explored the idea of authenticity in leadership and whether or not it's possible for so-called minorities of any kind to be themselves and succeed in the workplace. Over the course of this series, our guests from the Global South have shared their extraordinary leadership journeys. We've heard how leaders have had to deal with overt discrimination, threats of deportation, and in today's episode, we'll hear from two special guests, including Marcella Turetti, who is leading in life and death situations in Mexico. At the end of this episode, I'll also share some key lessons from the series as well. But first, I'd like to introduce you to Maria Fernanda Delmas, the editor-in-chief of the biggest financial newspaper in Brazil, Valor Econômico. Fernanda started her career in PR before moving into journalism and has now been in the industry for 30 years. Fernanda joined Valor in 2021 and since then her team has already gone to win the ESSO Prize for Digital Innovation. Fernanda, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. So let's start with this question that we're exploring in our podcast. Uh, what does authenticity mean to you? It means that you can be uh, the person you are in all situations, uh, when you are at home, when you are at work. And uh, speaking about work is when uh, you follow the rules, of course, to, you are in a social environment. Uh, you are dealing with other people, then you have to follow some rules. Uh, but you can be yourself, you can uh, introduce your leadership style, and uh, you can inspire other people in some way. Has there been any times when actually it's been quite difficult to be yourself at work? Yeah, it's challenging uh, as a woman. Uh, when I start my career, uh, kind of more than 30 years ago, uh, you have to to fit in a standard, in a kind of male standard. You you have a different uh, different dress code, for example. Uh, if you go uh, to a press conference or to interview someone, some important uh, person, uh, you have to be very. Uh, you have to be dressed in a very discreet way, for example. Uh, you have to be. We have to wear, for example, gray or black or uh, some neutral color, and uh, in a suit and trousers, uh, not too much makeup, uh, things like that. Uh, then it was a kind of standard way uh, to succeed in terms of dress code, for example, and. Uh, nowadays, I think you have space to be more authentic. You can dress uh, the way you want to, even in a suit. And uh, it, it's more relaxing for us. A lot has changed, which is great. So today, are there any challenges to being yourself at work? Or would you say we're all good? No, we are not all good. Uh, I think we've achieved a lot. And... Uh, 
only uh, that I am still using the verb achieve. It's it's a, a, a symbol that uh, we have to change. We are still uh, underrepresented in uh, leadership uh, jobs, and uh, in Brazil, where I live, for example, uh, I, I've I've suffered a lot of things as being a woman in corporate uh, environment. Uh, but there's still more. For example, if you are a black woman, uh, you suffer in double. So we have a lot to evolve in in the market. Are you able to share some examples of either what you've seen other black women face or examples that you faced yourself? Okay. Uh, sometimes you, you see black women, for example, being told, oh, you 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 must have a different hair, for example, to succeed, or uh, being challenging because they, they, they are not sure if you are uh, properly educated, uh, assuming that uh, you didn't get uh, all the education you, you needed to that position, uh, things like that, and uh, being discriminated by their way of uh, expressing uh, their selves. Uh, maybe uh, black women want to use uh, some symbols of their religion, for example, or uh, their uh, ancestrals, and uh, it is not allowed yet. Uh, I have some uh, very well succeed uh, black, woman, uh, black women friends and uh, one of them, for example, uh, faces uh, uh, discrimination and she, she opened the door and, and the guy who went there to deliver something uh, asked her to call uh, the owner of the house. Uh, small things that are, are not small at the end of the day. So what's being done about that in an organization like yours and others? Yeah, I think uh, thanks to ESG era in which investors are uh, pushing, forcing the companies uh, to do things in a different way and asking them to show better numbers, uh, better diversity, uh, not only in the general uh, workplace, but uh, promoting women and uh, uh Black people and uh, uh, people with disability, for example, uh, I think it's helping. Companies are more concerned about, about their reputation. Uh, the investors are uh, uh, asking them to be different. The consumers are uh, punishing companies uh, who, who mess it up. And then I think it's helping. I think we are changing uh, our uh, our boards, our uh, C-levels, and the, the the workforce in general. There is still yeah. much to do, but it, it's changing. You've also had experiences of discrimination, so you know what it's like, what it feels like. Yeah, I, I've been. I, I've worked in a lot of different places. Uh, as a PR and as a journalist, and uh, I've seen a lot of situations. Uh, 
of uh, harassment, for example, uh, if you don't go out with me, it will be a problem for your career. Uh, from direct harassment to uh, small uh, hidden situations, and uh, many women give up in in this way because they feel it's too much for me. I can't do that. Uh, if I can't uh, uh, be part of this, I want to be succeed, and uh, they give they give up. Sometimes they give up. It's very sad because maybe we are, or for sure, we are missing a lot of talents. Uh, there are some studies uh, uh, showing that if you have women more present in the work workforce, uh, uh, the global GDP uh, would be stronger, much stronger than it it is. Um, and did you ever want to give up? No. Fortunately, I, I, I never, uh, it was not a, a thought. Uh, I never uh, thought in giving up, uh, but I know people who, who gave up because of harassment and, and the discrimination, but sometimes uh, because familiar arrangements, because uh, women in general are responsible for taking care uh, of children, of uh, uh, old parents of uh, any other member of the family and sometimes it's too much weight for them uh, and they have to choose. What made you, you know, be resilient? What made you keep going? Despite everything I've seen and even suffered in, in the workplace, uh, I, I was always sure that uh, I, women would have more space and more less. Uh, again, I'm talking about my reality. I know there are countries that are uh, prehistoric in terms of uh, uh, gender, uh, equal, equality of gender and race, etc. But in my reality, uh, I was sure I we would gain more space and uh, it wouldn't be less space with time. Uh, so I've decided to go, to, to move forward. And, uh, what is very interesting that I've seen in, in my journey, uh, is sorority. We've seen a lot of movements, uh, coming up, uh, women gathering, uh, to fight for their rights. So I think it's changed. We are more, uh, uh united to. Uh, help each other, uh, to inspire each other, and to understand each other's issue, issues. There are a lot of uh, movements uh, growing uh, to to help uh, other women, to 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 raise others, and uh, it's very interesting. I think it's one of the biggest changes. Uh, you will barely hear nowadays. Oh, I'm here, but you have to have your own way and uh, suffer a little bit as I did. No, I, I did it. Maybe I've suffered, but I want to make it more natural for you. Okay, that's great. So tell us a little bit, you know, lastly about how you're making your organization 
um, more inclusive and allowing people to be themselves. And, and I know that you're also doing that in coverage. Tell us a little bit about that. Okay. Uh, I run uh, a newspaper uh, with a that is specialized in uh, economic, economics and politics. And uh, of course, uh, when you go to corporate market, uh, it is still a white man place. When you see, uh, I've seen a, a figure uh, last week saying uh, women barely got 10% uh, of uh, the, the five, 500 biggest companies in the US, 10% of those companies have uh, female CEOs. So the market is the, the corporate market is still a white man place. And so we've decided, first of all, uh, we can't uh, cast people for events or uh, as sources of stories, etc. Uh, not respecting a balance. So we have to choose uh, female sources and male sources in an equal way. We, we've been trying very hard to do that. And the first page of a, a, a legacy media newspaper, it's a very uh, symbolic piece. So uh, we have a goal to have uh, uh, more women in the front page and the pictures of the front page. And uh, we've finished in 2022 with the mark of 70% uh, of the editions with uh, women pictured in the first page. Uh, it, it, we, we celebrated a lot uh, because it was a, a very hard transformation uh, we were uh, proposed to do. And uh, I, I believe we as a team, we've achieved that. And, uh, and we receive a lot of messages from uh, well succeeded women and the CEOs, levels, etc., and uh, from young women that are still uh, entering the market force, saying, "Oh, it's good, it's inspiring. Uh, don't give up, please continue doing that because we feel represented, and uh, it's very good. It's a very good feeling saying we can contribute, even if a small way." Uh, to inspire and to change things. And uh, inside our organization, uh, we've tried to, to, to evolve too. We've tried to uh, think about uh, equality when we hire, when we hire someone to a position. Let's not only publish uh, an ad and wait for who is coming, uh, to, to work with us, okay, we are gonna ask people, okay, point me uh, good people with uh, di uh, diversity uh, characteristics, and uh, it's important to 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 do equal procedures when uh, you are hiring, uh, so we we can change our environment uh, with hiring policies. And uh, not only for uh, young people entering the organization, but for all the positions you have to uh, 
think about it, okay, uh, I'm going to hire an editor or a special reporter or uh, any other position. Uh, let's have, have take a good look at the market and uh, ask everybody to come and be a candidate and uh, to interest them uh, to work with us. And, uh, it's not easy. It's not... Uh, uh, it gives you work, but uh, it's 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 a very good. We have a, a very good result, and it's a very good feeling when you succeed. Great, thank you, Fernanda. Um, that's been really, really insightful. I really appreciate your time today. Thank you. Thank you very much for the opportunity. That was Maria Fernanda Delmas, the editor in chief of Velo Economico. And now to our second special guest, Marcela Turetti. Marcela is an award-winning investigative journalist based in Mexico. She is the founder of the network Journalists on the Move, the co-founder of Quinto Elemento Lab, a non-profit investigative journalism outfit, and the website Where Do the Disappeared Go? Marcela is a multifaceted leader in a country that is one of the most dangerous places to be a journalist. In 2021 alone, at least 11 journalists were killed in Mexico. Marcela, it's great to have you here. Welcome. Thank you for the invitation. So Marcela, as you know, we've been discussing authenticity on this podcast, and I'm really interested in wondering what authenticity means to you. Authenticity means um, listen to your intuition, to your heart, and follow what what these are talking to you, well, the information that is giving to you, and I don't know, like not not only following the same path of the other people, just trying, I don't know, trying to follow what you feel. Throughout the series, a lot of women leaders have told us about additional barriers they've faced, are they because of their gender or their race or their age? So I'm just wondering whether your identity has had a positive or negative impact in, in the work that you've tried to do. Yes, I have been punished uh, in different uh, jobs that I have been. Uh, since the beginning, I was, as I said, I was organizing other journalists, like in this autodidactical formation that Everybody uh, can teach other journalists if you are good uh, uh, writing a chronicle or if you are good interviewing. So I always try to to create these circles of learn learning. Yes, but the, at the beginning, they in my first uh, newspaper, they told that I was organizing a union labor. And they were really scared and angry. So they sent me away. They punished me with and some covering some other things, always to put me apart. Later, uh, in another, when I was in a magazine and I was in Periodistas de Apie, I was the leader of Periodistas de Apie, and we were training journalists to cover. Yes, to trying to resolve or to, to learn how to cover this violence 
uh, I knew that the men journalists were like really always nasty and always like trying to yes making like comments of oh this is this is the women journalist that like uh, if we were like just talking or chatting and, or we really uh, for me always questioning questioning me if I am not any more journalist if I am activist and I am like NGO agent and not anymore yes not anymore journalists and I always try to explain them that I continue working in, with the rules of the journalism but the context made us and we have in those years uh, the beginning of this storm of a journalist kill even in the magazine where I work uh, Regina Martinez uh, was killed that is she was she was a correspondent in Veracruz from the magazine so uh, so I say like no this is important and we have to do it so it was at the first like really a lot of a stigma in the newsroom but then when the violence <laughs> grow as it has been growing periodistas yeah, de and all the effort and the networks that uh, that born from this effort because many local networks to protect journalists uh, arise and many women journalists start creating their own networks in the local places in their in their territories so now periodistas is like really renowned organization it sounds like it's a great sense of purpose for you Yes, I think a journalist like a mission, and I think that if you are journalists of this kind of journalists, in my case, human rights, covering human rights in a country like Mexico, uh, uh, there is no other way to do it. Also, I believe, and I like also to to talk with other journalists in in the in the workshops that uh, we are like the journalists as is like a truth commission or little truth commission in real time and that maybe we never uh, see the impact of our work because always we think that what we are doing is not important and we are tired also uh, uh, Oh, frustrated many times, but but it's important. It's important for the truth, and maybe one day, the, if we have justice, what the, the information that we are getting and collecting will be important. If um, maybe we'll solve cases of this mother who is looking for uh, her son who is disappeared or who is in this mass grave or because maybe sometimes we have the information in our notebooks or we publish it. I mean, that level of risk that is involved just makes me think about, you know, you've been in danger, you've been spied on, you've lost friends. Um, what keeps you going? The same. If I, for example, Javier Valdez, he was my friend. He was killed in 2017. Um, 
And I don't know, like for me, for other colleagues, uh, only thinking that some of our friends or or the colleagues that we really admire were killed. This is, uh, I don't know, this is an impulse to continue because what they did was important. And this is a commit. Uh, this is a commitment for us to continue because they were fighting against silence. Miroslava Bridge says that silence is complicity. She was killed in my hometown, in hometown in Chihuahua, the border with Texas, no? Uh, because she was uh, uh, publishing about the narco politics. So we have to continue. And, but we have to learn how to do it different. That That is important. Uh, we have to learn how to do it with others, no? organizing ourselves with another methodologies. Also learn how to take care of your, or yourself, digital, physical, and psycho, in a psycho-emotional way, no? because th that is needed. I was thinking a little bit more about um, the support that you provide, both the sort of support that you provide for yourself and the support that you provide other journalists. You said a little bit about that. I just wondered if you might be able to paint a little picture of um, the tools that you use in a little bit more detail. I founded a news website uh, that investigates the, the missing people. No, I have create different collectives in different levels, like in Periodistas de a Pie. I have also, I am involved in another collectives that is a daily emergencies, all the, all around the countries, only checking how the journalists are, if they need some help, and the NGOs, if the NGOs take the cases or not. And in the daily, that is this uh, website, and we cover like mass rapes and, uh, and a lot of testimonies of relatives who lose or their missing people, their missing children. Uh, it's, it's a lot of pain. No? Um, we try monthly to have a checkup emotional meeting. So in our workshops, we always have a space to talk also about how this impact in our work, but at the same time uh, to have our ritual to clean all the pain or the grief that we accumulate and also to try to live away all the guilt that we carry on and some traumatic situation, emotion. So sometimes we invade one one time we invite a shaman, shaman, another a priest, another I don't know. I, we made some spiritual right, uh, and the people say, and many times the men who are not uh, many uh, get. They are not get. They are not used or to this kind of uh, spirituality or rituals. Right, right, rituals. Uh, 
they were like really surprised at the way they feel fine at the end because they couldn't sleep and they could talk with somebody with uh, about some uh, something that he has to cover and never talk about it. And he was really froze many times or many years or months. So we tried, yes, to bring also to, 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 to put, <clears throat> it's because in Mexico you, you don't not, you need another kind of forces to do these kind of jobs, you know, to jo or this kind of job or to go into mass graves and to look with their relatives, uh, their skeletons or yes, the bodies of their missing uh, relatives. So it's like really, really difficult, and you can be yes, you. You as journalists, you have to deal with this in your daily life and cover that, and then go to the to a meeting with friends, and it's, it's like really difficult. So we try to to talk about it, to express emotions, and to talk about the guilt and also the solution, not the solution, but how everybody deal with this and what can be can be good uh, to trespass this or good habits or different things to take care of ourselves and to process all these things. And sometimes also uh, if somebody needs therapy, I al always look for one organization that can bring and give this therapy to the member of, the, of my group who need it because we have to take care the whole, the whole, yes, uh, holistically, you know, not 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 only in the journalistic uh, work, because this affects you in the whole, this in your whole life, no? Yeah, and I, I mean, there's a couple of things that strike me about what you say is that there's that quite deep attention to the emotional care of your journalists and then the other thing that I'm struck by is um, it feels unusual and perhaps it feels more unusual in the western world than it would in other parts of the world of the kind of use of sort of religious and 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 rituals as a way of uh, creating more strength or or uh, or how would we say it a more source of solace I mean how would how would how do you describe what the rituals and the the kind of religious elements provide? Yes, it is. Uh, in Mexico, also, it's not good seen. Eh? In Mexico, the people are like, oh, it's kind of crazy, and they are women that they are hippies and these things. Many of the editors things like that, and it's not it's not well seen. If I speak in public about the importance of cry or the importance of these rituals, but uh, the rituals can be different. It's not always like a spirituality or not, or other kind of spiritualities, whatever. If you, uh, if you believe in whatever force is fine, no, but for example, one ritual is if you want to cover a mass grave 
<laughs> you were in the excavations, like the doctors in the COVID, you have to change your clothes or take a bath and like change the space only doing, for example, this kind of uh, break in your house. No, uh, You have to break the space, changing your clothes or doing something. But also if you want to close a case that you are investigating and you have been following weeks or months. For example, in my case, in my case the, the, I was investigating the 43 students missing, missing uh, and it was like and the massacre, how some of them were killed. So in one moment I felt like, okay, I, I cannot anymore do this. And I felt really bad, no? I felt like a failure. So I I published one story. I It has the face of the, one of the students. The, the, his case was really, really brutal, no? how he was killed. And, and I felt like I, I cannot continue investigating what happened to him because emotionally it was really, I felt really exhausted and a lot of, I don't know, I, I felt that it was not my case. So I, I opened the magazine where he, where I published and his picture was on it and I put some candles and night and flowers and and I make a, I don't know, I, I talk with him and I explain to him uh, in silence, like, okay, this is what I can do for you in this moment. And now I will continue looking and searching where are your colleagues, you know, the other students. Uh, I want to change and it, and if I have something about you, I will write this, but I cannot anymore. And I hope that you have peace and that you have justice. You know? Also, I cover massacres of migrants. I, I just wrote a book that will be published this year about that. And also with the migrant, it's more than 200 migrants and I have been 12 years involved in this investigation. Uh, I don't know, like asking for permission and say like, okay, I will finish this case. It has been these years. I hope that you uh, found uh, justice and I can bring some kind of information for this justice and I will continue to another case. And for me, it was like a liberation, I don't know, like close. In in this other way, and don't yeah, don't be open and only feeling bad and <laughs> that you finish something. Yeah, it's important, and with the groups the same. With the groups, sometimes we well, we walk in the woods because we do a annual network workshop, like it's really big with fifty journalists together and we walk and we go to a tree and I don't know, we leave some of the things that everybody carry 
and the people can cry, you don't know, but it's magical. I, I, it's magical, and I see that it's sane, and, and I don't know, and we share it in another way our lives and what is happening to us, and not only as journalists, also as human beings, no? Well, what you say reminds me of what you said right at the beginning of the podcast, which was to really be kind of true to your feelings and understand them and use that as a bit of a compass of how you operate and, and doing, you know, uh, these ceremonies or these rituals that have clearly helped you um, feels like it's a part of that uh, authenticity piece. Would I be right in saying that? Yes, yes, because... I was an orthodox journalist always, but I think the things and the context and what happened to me and what I have learned and what the people who I met, I always trying to mix and to bring uh, the different things that I have seen and try to create a method, a methodology or something. Now we. I and another journalist, we are also thinking on how to, for example, to found a house where journalists can rest. Uh, because I think that many journalists who are uh, on risk, they only need rest and think clear. And they need the space, the emotional, physical space where they can only sleep good good, beautiful things. Many times as we live under this pressure, we have not time or space to think on this. And so we turn off the fear and just continue doing the work. We have to, in a way, to, to, to provide <laughs> these spaces to do it better and to journalists, to protect journalists and also for protect the right of the people to be informed. No, it's, it's I don't know, protect the whole ecosystem. Thank you, Marcella. It seems like really good advice for us all, regardless of the context, and obviously even more important in the context that uh, you've been working. We really appreciate your time um, and being so generous with us today. Thank you. Uh, thank you for the invitation, and I hope this can help. Yeah, I'm sure it will. Thank you. Every leader in this series has shared experiences where their identity has presented some sort of challenge, often in the form of blatant discrimination. It's been really eye-opening to learn how extreme and overt some of these instances have been. Do listen back if you haven't heard all the stories. What feels clear to me is that authenticity has come at a cost. At the very least, the leaders we spoke to have found it tiring, an extra burden on top of their already challenging jobs. And yet they've found ways to persevere. They've had to learn how to read their environments, pick their battles carefully, cultivate extraordinary resilience and take big risks. They appear to have doubled down on their values moving out of environments that are simply not supportive enough or pioneering new ones. And for those who have stayed put, they've wanted to move on up in order to change the status quo. 
So my takeaway is this. Authenticity takes courage. It's a journey of self-discovery. A question that asks us, how are we going to show up in the world? And I believe we need these leaders. We need these leaders who are striving to be authentic and self-aware. Leaders who will want to make space for others and pioneer truly inclusive newsrooms because they know what it's been like. We really hope you've enjoyed this series on authentic leadership. If you'd like to revisit or catch up on any of the previous episodes, please do head to Spotify or Apple Podcasts. If you don't want to miss any news from the Reuters Institute, sign up to our weekly newsletter from our homepage or Twitter bio. Thank you so much for joining us. I've been Rama Sharma.